0: to tell you let's do that again stand please would you we will pray in a moment and proceed how wonderful it is to see this lovely crowd in the second service on this hot august sunday and thanks for coming even though you knew i was coming Appreciate that, <laughs> and some of you think it, we didn't know. <laughs> wow, uh, to Pastor J.C. and Miss Kimberly, my sincere appreciation for trusting the pulpit and the word today with me. It's uh, always a joy to bring the word of God. We welcome all those from Montgomery County and Maryland. During this time online, and to Pastor Eric and your congregation, I was there about two weeks or more ago, and I'm coming back as long as the pastor pays my way. <laughs> Welcome to you, Miss Lisa, and your lovely congregation on the west side of Atlanta. I was there about that time, and uh, let me say it very spiritually how I feel. <laughs> they got it going. You really got it going. And to you, bless you, amen. And then to all of you that are online, watching us online, Facebook, to Facebook, whatever book you have. And I I say that because, folks, I don't have a clue about Facebook. Somebody says, thank you, Jesus, but so Facebook and online. And then always inappropriate to acknowledge the men and women who have served in the five branches of our military and who are serving now and I don't say this because we just do this every Sunday and we should I say it because I'm an American by choice I've been in America 55 years and I could have chose other places and so could my mom and dad but if I had to do it all over again it'd still be America yeah, I'm not a ball player. I don't need, you know, some of them don't like America. All who served or have served in either of the branches, or should I say one of the five. If that's you, retired or presently, raise your hand where you stand. And yeah, go ahead, the rest of us. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, it's worthy of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. So I have not preached enough to know how to preach by myself. I haven't preached all these years to think I could do it by myself. I've had to learn that the hard way. But I learned I could preach better if somebody prayed for me and I prayed for them. I learned if I could preach better if the Holy Spirit touched me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. And so I like to have a good time with you and you do with me, but uh, the the winds of preaching doesn't always blow the same way. But if it's the Word, it'll cover much. Amen? So I beseech you, I ask of you to stretch your hands my way. I'm going to stretch my hands your way, and we are one in the Word. Say a prayer for me, and I'm going to say a prayer for you. Father, thank you for this Lord's Day. Thank you for my brothers and sisters, my friends in the faith. Give Him ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Give Him, O oh God, our eyes to see the truth that we need to see before us. God, give us a will to obey. I pray against every distraction, every circumstance or situation that would steal the nuggets and jewels of the Word from us. Thy Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thy Word have I said in my heart that I might not sin against God. So baptize us in the Word. And the church will say amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you so much. Amen. And thank you, Joseph, for your ministry and music. Can I get an amen, church? and Miss Brooklyn and the team. So here we are. We are at the finality of the book of Acts. The theme for these weeks, so how long we have been on this journey, is binging on the Bible, or binge. And for my uh, appreciation of the entire Bible... All of it I profoundly appreciate, still working on so much of it. But if I was to choose one of the New Testament books uh, as a personal preference, and this is not prejudice against the other books, it would be the book of Acts. The book of Acts has impacted my life and ministry and my personal living ever since I discovered it. So here we are, we've made our way. But we are in chapter 27, a portion of 28, and that will be it. We would study 29, but there is no 29 in the book of Acts. It's profound, isn't it? So we've come, here Here we are coming through Acts, and we've heard about the works and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible said it would happen, the Holy Spirit would come. We've seen the fulfillment of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'll send you another comforter. And all throughout the book of Acts and beyond, there's a fulfillment of the Coming of the Holy Spirit, we've seen, unfortunately, the life of Stephen taken for the gospel's sake, whereby he is known as the first Christian martyr. We have seen the start of the early church, meaning early church. I mean, from the time of Jesus' ascension, resurrection, ascension, till now. If the first centuries were called the early church, now it's called the church. And so we've seen the start of the early church, and we've seen it start with signs and wonders and miracles. We've seen, remarkably, the conversion of the apostle Paul. He and his miracle ministry, prior to his conversion, his name was Saul, and he was a Christian hater. He murdered Christians wherever he could find them, and he took pleasure in it. But God turned him around. Knocked him off his horse, blinded him for a few days, took the scale off of his eyes, baptized him in the Holy Ghost and in water, and then he said, whoop, glory. (laughs) Well, he didn't say that, but he should have. (laughs) The thing to observe also as part of the content of the book of Acts is, uh, it was not only after the crucifixion of Jesus and the Jews thought he was dead, so it made them mad when they heard about his resurrection. And they made him further, the Christians that is, made the Jews more angry when they found out that Jesus has ascended to heaven. And now on the upper room, uh, some days, 10 days after Jesus ascended, there was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that became the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And it seemed like every time the Jews tried to shut down the Christian, they spread. Can I get an Amen. Every time it seemed like they said that Christianity is annihilated. They used to call Christians uh, the way, believers of the way, W-A-Y. And, and so they try to their best to minimize the impact. And throughout Acts, every time he the devil try to stir up something, create a mess. If it's of God, the Holy Ghost comes down and blesses it. Amen. So here we are to close of this book and the theme of this chapter is something uh, that exists in your life already or have or will be in your life in the future. And so it's this business of Paul encountering stormy winds, literally stormy winds, and then through his experience of life, chapter 7, 27, pardon me, we are given hope and help For our storms. And and so, it occurs to me that in this context of storms and Paul being literal and figuratively, I really don't want anybody telling me about storms if they ain't been in one. Can I get a witness? I don't want to hear about your mama's storm or your daddy's storm or your dog storm. If I'm going through one and you can help me, don't tell me what you read about. Tell me where you've been. <laughs> Such good preaching so early in the service. All right, Stan. Let me give you a few thoughts on storms. Are you Are taking notes? If you're not taking notes, pretend you are. Here we go. The certainty of contrary winds the certainty it's coming they 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 come to all of us one day contrary winds are blowing your life and if you live long enough there'll be two or three others to follow i'm not gonna be a prognosticator of bad news but storms come to all of us i was standing in the uh waiting area of a funeral home there in Noonan, and I was awaiting to go and minister to the family who had lost somebody through COVID, and during the year of COVID, the pandemic, unfortunately, we had quite a number of funerals that were, uh, as far as number-wise, irregular to times where pre-COVID or after, and the funeral director was standing beside me, and he says, "Uh, Pastor Matura, the way this is, uh, I I believe that at some point, everybody is going to contract COVID, and I thought, you know, I hope not, and and not me, you know? And then so three months later, I heard, heard that he had COVID. I was there, and he had COVID, and I thought, man, he, I guess he hit it on, on the mark for him, but not me, you know? And so I go to a small group meeting, and uh, it's there, uh, about 14 of us, and... Excuse me, it's in October, and uh, we, we're all together, and, you know, we just enjoying fellowship, have the word and all. And about three months after that meeting, I found that 13 people out of that whole group had contracted COVID. I was the 14th and didn't get it. Don't clap. I got it later. Storms are no respecter of persons. Can I get a witness? Here's another thought, please. They come suddenly and unexpectedly, these storms. One day you have smooth sailing. One day you have the doctor's report, really good. One day this job, you can lead to retirement, everything looks fine. Smooth sailing, and then the next day, contrary winds blow in. Not predicting bad stuff, I'm just talking about life, okay? Here's a third thought that I have noted for you, Storms, contrary winds, come from different and unsuspecting directions. Isn't that so? Some storms may come from the direction of one's job, or the family, or the marriage, or, or health. Poor health, the storm come in. Or school, meaning something has happened to maybe uh, the schooling of one of your siblings or, or one of your children. And so, and I'll get there in a moment, but this contrary wind stuff is, like in verse 13 of our text, the verse says, the south wind blow softly. The south wind blows softly. Now, this is a literal storm that Paul is getting ready to experience and the 275 other passengers on the ship from Alexandria, Egypt. says here that the south wind blows slowly blow slowly and I, I like it to be that way all the time. It doesn't. Uh, th- these winds are contrary, meaning that if you are in a storm figuratively in your mind or in a boat, a ship out to sea and you see uh, the, the waves begin to swell and the thunder begin to roll and the rain begin to fall. You think, you know what I need to do? Uh, because I don't know about the predictability of the storm or the magnitude of its ferocity. I need to stick close to shore. But the nature of how storms are, the closer to shore you try to get, the further out, the deep it takes you. That's just the way storms work at times. So, having said that about storms, let me begin with chapter 27 verse 1. Now I'll read through some of this and others of this, I have to just kind of move by way of a little more uh, speed due to the fact that I want to cover it with you. So the subject this morning is strong anchors for stormy seas. Verse 1 says that Paul is on a journey from Caesarea to Rome. He is a Prisoner of the Roman government. Now, due to the false accusations made by the Jews regarding Paul, they accused him of a false teaching against their doctrine, they accused him of causing a riot. Due to the accusations, he realizes that he cannot get justice in Jerusalem nor Caesarea. He goes to Caesarea and he meets with Governor Felix and Governor Felix does not grant him justice. He stays in Caesarea and King Agrippa comes and King Agrippa doesn't uh, grant him justice. Matter of fact, King Agrippa is hoping that Paul would bribe him for his freedom. So, Paul realizing that if justice is not going to be served me here among these two pol- politicians, he has no recourse and he appeals to the highest power in the empire, and that would be Caesar. Verse 1 says, as, as I continue, and when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners and One named Julius, a centurion of the Augustus band. So Paul, being a prisoner, was put under the supervision of Julius, who's a centurion. That means he's very prominent in the Roman military. That means he's very influential in the Roman military. That means he can be trusted. He has a lot of soldiers under his leadership. And now Paul is a prisoner of his traveling Verse 2. So entering the ship of Arimatheum, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with him. <laughs> Can you wonder why mothers named their children these kind of names? Now, there are two traveling companions for, for Paul, okay? Paul, uh, uh, his personal physician, his name is Luke. Luke writes this book called Acts, as well as the book by his name. So he's the writer. He's the physician. He travels with, with Paul. They're traveling what could be a year's journey. And then, then the other uh, gentleman is, is one who uh, honors Paul. He wants to take care of Paul, so he travels with him. And so the Bible says in verse 3, and the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to the friends, his friends, and receive care. And then it moves on to verse 4, where it talks about the, the sailing route of this trip to Rome. And verse 4 says, and when we put the sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. There's sign number one. The winds were contrary. Kept on going. And when we sailed over the sea, which is off Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. Verse 6 there the other centurion, whose name is Julius, found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. So here we go. The ship from Caesarea to this last location, the one that there presently exists, Lycia, that ship is not large enough to endure this long journey across the Mediterranean and to carry this many passengers in a, a long term journey. So there, Julius, the centurion, finds an Alexandrian ship from Alexandria, Egypt. It carries wheat. Its purpose is to carry cargo, and a large amount of cargo. So not only does Julian put them on that ship, but he also uh, makes sure that uh, the journey will be durable for all 276 of them. Now in verses 7 and 8, Signs begin to appear, setting the stage for a storm, this kind of storm that's coming. They don't know what's coming, but after it occurs, they'll find it's like a storm that no sailor, no captain, no soldier or passenger has ever experienced. As a matter of fact, before this storm is over, 276 people on the ship from Alexandra are making plans for their death at sea. Tell you what, one time I went on sea, and I'd just rather die on sea than go any further. <laughs> I had some uh, experience. Uh, we came to pastor this church in 1985. I was 28 years old. It was a small church. It was down the road. It was called Church of the Nazarene. Valerie and I came with our two daughters. And so we had some men in the church who knew that I hadn't been deep sea fishing, and they hadn't been in a while. So they chartered a boat out of Charleston, South Carolina, and they were going to take their Indian preacher. To hell, I mean to 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 the ocean. And I, you know, I never really did that. Dramamine. No, they were funny. to anyhow, I get on there, I and mean, you know, it's not very choppy and hard, but. So as long as I'm going, you know, the, the the boat, fishing boat's going out there, I'm doing okay. But when we stop uh, to do the casting and the fishing, and know uh, you probably been there, you're nodding your head, and uh, you're going to have dinner in a while, so I'll try to keep it really mellow. But uh, the thing about it is, uh, when they stop, I wondered why all the boys went back to the back of the fish, the back of the boat, I should say, and cast it out. And, and then I'm up at the front, the only one with the other idiot on the other side of me, and... Uh, They said, Pastor, you really should have come here. I'm thinking, okay, there's no room. So I cast my line out one time. Can I get a witness? One time. And after that, I was singing the old song, Amazing Grace. No, I wasn't singing. I wasn't singing nothing. Folks, I tell you, I felt like I was going to die. I mean, everybody else was fishing, I'm the only one, I had to put ice on my head, and ice on my body, and, and you know, I brought up everything, the, the offerings that were to offer, and all that kind of thing, I mean, it was terrible, and somebody says, you know, pastor, you should look at the horizon, I'm trying to get your eyes stable on the horizon, thinking you idiot, the horizon is doing this, it's doing. <laughs> and just think, I paid to get that sick, paid. So, as we move on, I'm glad that that was so anointing and you enjoyed it. Look, and you can't turn there, or maybe you can if you have your written scripture. Uh, in, in verse 7, it says, when we sailed many days and arrived with difficulty at night us, the wind not Permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete of Salome. Now, verse number seven says we arrived with difficulty. Sign number two, something's brewing. No, no, sign number three, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed on. Uh, uh, sign number three, and then number eight, verse number eight, passing with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Haven near the city of Lacia. Well, things are getting bad. You know, and it's going from bad to worse. And and so what happens is Paul comes to the occasion and, and he says, the sailing is dangerous and has been because we've come past, verse 7, uh, we've already gone past the fast, the Jewish celebration of atonement, F A S T. fast. The fast, F-A-S, uh, SD celebrated usually in September, mid-September. But because of the calendar that year, it was celebrated in mid-October. Well, those in nautical miles and sailing and captains and sailors and all, and knowing the Mediterranean, they, show, they know that any time from mid-October to mid-February is not a good time to go sailing or moving cargo because those are the most tempestuous, contrary times for anybody to be on the sea. And Paul says, you really shouldn't go because the fast is already gone. Uh, and he says, you know, if you keep going, guys, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only for the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Well, they had a predicament. What should we do? Well, the centurion, who's the head leader of all this, or the leader, he was persuaded by the helmsman to go forward, the helmsman being the captain, I suppose. He was persuaded to go forward as they try to make their way further on uh, beyond Crete and into a port called Phoenix, Phoenix, Mediterranean, not Phoenix, Arizona. I, uh, Valerie, and I got a daughter, a son-in-law, and two grandchildren living in Phoenix. Arizona. We ain't going there anytime soon with 110 degrees. We ain't even going there in the winter with 109 degrees. <laughs> Phoenix is another destination they hope to make. So what happens is they took a vote and the majority prevailed. Let us move on to Crete and to Phoenix. Because Phoenix is a larger port, which can accommodate this large ship from Alexandria and all the cargo. And Fairhaven is, is where they are now, I should say. Uh, it's too small to take care of the crew and everybody during the winter, three months probably. And so they, they voted to go ahead. And so it didn't take long much time for the so-called experts to outvote Paul. He said, don't go. Now, those voting probably had the assumption, the majority, in light of Paul's advice, they probably thought, what does a preacher know about sailing, especially a prisoner preacher? (laughs) Don't belittle what a preacher knows. I pastored this church 33 years. I know some stuff about some of you. I'm getting ready to tell in a minute if you don't say amen. A preacher, in this case, an anointed preacher, Paul. You know, these guys didn't know that Paul had been on three separate voyages prior to this one. Can I get a witness? Paul had said on occasion with his testimony, I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I have been in the deep. He knows something about navigating. He knows something about how the clouds operate, how lightning come, how how the winds get tempestuous, how the waves come up so high. And so he said, don't go, guys. Let me tell you this about storms and see if you'll observe this as something that is akin to you. Storms seldom adjust to our schedule. There's more. They seldom change course per our bidding. Their intensity have no regard for one's status or rank. A storm does not adjust to you. You adjust to it. Let me lead you some more. The following scriptures will be thirteen through twenty-nine. I won't read them all; just kind of highlight. Thirteen through twenty-nine is titled "In the Tempest," in the storm. So the soft, the wind, the, the, the south winds blew softly, as they begin to put out to sea, and they say, "Okay, we made this boat. We live in Fair, Fair Haven. We headed to Crete, and then uh, Phoenix, etc." And when the wind blew softly, they all thought, high-five, high-five. See, I told you so. Where's that dumb preacher? But not long after, verse 14 says, a tempestuous headwind arose called Euroclidon. It's an oyster. I pronounced it in the last service, Euroclidon, and somebody said it another way. I thought, I'm the preacher. You're not. Shut up. No, I didn't say that. You wrote Clyde. Now listen, this storm is so horrendous and so violent. Verse 15, when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. Let me tell you why. Because a nor'easter can maintain winds up to 75 miles an hour. That's hurricane force. A norista can have such strong currents, it can pull you like it's pulling you under. Or the currents to turn you around, twirl it seemed like your boat on the water. A nor'easter is accompanied by lightning and by thunder and by hurricane kind of speed. A nor'easter it can have large and deep swells over and over. It can have it, and then the nor'easter there's no sun, no moon, no star. While Paul and his travelers were traveling, they used to navigate by the moon and by the stars. They didn't have all the equipment today that we have like GSP and GPS or whatever it is. They didn't. They didn't have any of that kind of navigational stuff if they couldn't see the star, if they couldn't see the moon, they'd wander wherever they needed to. And that's what happened here. The storm was so much, their sail was was torn. They had a rectangular-shaped sail on one pole. And if that was torn or blown away, they had to just drift and good luck. Still with me? Say amen. This is the tempest, okay? And so what happens is, This moves along in verse 18. The Bible says uh, they were so fearful for the potential sinking of the ship that they lightened the load of the ship. And so having done that, they went a little bit, a few days longer. Now this storm is over 14 days, but maybe even longer than that. No star, no moon, no sun, no anything as far as hope. They, they, They not only lightened the ship, but they lightened the tackling of the ship, the more heavy stuff. And then in verse 20, the Bible says, all hope was given up. Neither sun nor moon stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest, no small storm raged. Beat on us, he said, and all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Still with me? And then Paul said, after long abstinence from food, nobody ate no food. Who wants to eat food when you're going up and down to in and out food? You can bring the best food you want to, you can keep it because who wants to eat food in that kind of turbulence? And he said, he said to them, man, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. <laughs> you know what Paul was doing, wasn't you? I told you so. Told you so. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, I'm fixing to get in trouble here. uh, You know, you just can't hardly stand it when somebody's right and you're wrong. And then they say, I told you so. You all ever heard of the spirit of slap? Paul, he, Paul prophesied it came to pass, so he'd have to apologize to anybody. Somebody say amen. amen. Let me take you to something. I'm going to move us down. Why do shipwrecks come to us in the midst of doing the will of God? This, is, this will be something that I want you to get from the screen. Why do shipwrecks come to us in the midst of doing the will of God? Number one, because of satanic opposition. I would believe that 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 Satan had a large part in the storm Euroclidon because he didn't want to keep he didn't want the gospel to get to Rome. Paul was going to be the channel, the vehicle, the mouthpiece, the person that would add to what's already in Rome. And so Satan knew, I don't want the spread of the gospel. I don't want Paul, a man of God, influencing anybody. Wherever Paul is, there's the Holy Ghost, there's healing, there's revival, there's deliverance. And I'm going to send him in a storm. Andre Kraut said, if I never had a problem, I never knew that he could solve it. I never knew what faith in God can do. You know, Satan would like to turn your vision into a nightmare. in, okay, Amen. You know what, what Satan tried to do is uh, destroy Joseph's reputation, the Old Testament. Give, give me an amen know what I'm talking about. Uh, 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 Satan tried to have Joseph killed brothers to throw him in jail was accused of uh, uh, attempted rape uh, and they threw him in jail again and then he and on and on and on. and what happened is that his brothers thought he were dead his dad thought he was dead but somewhere in egypt god was preparing for their deliverance by the guy they tried to kill so let god use you Here go here's, here's another thought sometimes shipwreck come into our life uh, by god's permission There's a lot of lessons to be learned from the storm by God's permission. There was the... uh the the centurion on the boat, there were the sailors on the boat, there were the soldiers on the boat, there were the helmsmen on the boat, helmsmen, and then there were the passenger on the boat. There were 276 people on board the boat, but they got lessons after looking at Paul's testimony in the midst of a storm. Somebody say, man, Paul didn't go hide in a hole and beg, oh God, when are you going to come by? Paul didn't go someplace and say, I'll get drunk and get through this storm. Paul didn't go someplace and cuss and get somebody else's man. Paul went down to the bottom of the boat and said, God, if you don't help us, nobody will. And God got him out of the bottom of the boat. And Paul says, have no fear because God is going to spear all of our lives. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. You know, I think I'm having more fun than you all are. Let me just move right along. I, I got to ask myself, Whose life am I blessing through my storm? Can I get an amen? Whose life am I blessing through my dark night? Oh, I wish somebody said praise the Lord. Oh, uh, let me the all 275 passengers, crew, etc. They're moaning, groaning, making plans to die, but all of a sudden the agenda changes because God allows Paul to suffer, and they realize we're in the same storm like Paul. We're in the same waves like Paul. We're in the same boat like Paul. But Paul is praising his God, thanking his God. Maybe we ought to try some of that. Okay, l- l- let me move here. Hurry, hurry. L- listen to the third thing, why, why shipwrecks come into the lives of Christians. We do in the will of God. By our own doing, yeah, if we sow, we shall reap. <laughs> Hang around with the wrong crowd and they'll rub off on you. We, we just get into mess and we go, the devil made me do it. It ain't devil made you do nothing. You done did it by yourself. Oh, hallelujah. I'll probably not preach here again for a while, so I'll go ahead and enjoy it. Now, if you're not enjoying having fun, you need to check your fun o Because anything that's dead in a church ought to be called by the undertaker. Somebody say amen. Here we go. Now, the Bible says before... This anchor business that I'm going to tell you about Paul real quick, the soldiers and the sailors, were, were so they were coming to the shore and they didn't know they were testing the depth of, of where the ship was. And the more they moved, the closer to the the bottom of, of of the of the ocean, I should say, is there. And so they threw out four anchors in hopes of it hitting, catching rocks, and stopping the ship from running aground. But before they threw out their four anchors, Paul threw out four anchors. Not literally, but figuratively. I'm going to share this with you, and then I'm going to try to wrap it up. Four anchors, stormy seas. Strong anchors for stormy seas. Number one is the anchor of the presence of the Lord. Acts 23, 27 and 3 says, 27, 23, pardon me, 27, 23. Paul heard from God, and he said this to the soldiers and sailors and crew and passengers. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. The presence of God. If God be for you, who can be against you? I don't know your storm. But I know my storm, and I'm 66 years old, and I may look like I've been through a lot of them, but I'd never be through any one of them if God's presence wasn't in my bedroom. I remember in Emory Hospital looking and laying on my back, looking at the ceiling tile, and nobody around me but the Holy Ghost, and that's all I need, the presence of God. I remember laying on my bed three o'clock in the morning at my house, and I couldn't go to sleep because my life is tossed, and it's wounded, and it's broken, but the Holy Ghost says, I am with you. I am your shield. I am your sword. I am your reward. The presence of God. When when, when I'm suffering, I'm in a storm, there's some people I don't want near me. I don't want no presence if I just say, my mama died of the same thing you're going through. You know? There have been some people I don't want to call an ID, and and I call, and that's who they are. I would like to go, you're breaking up. I had some members like that. I had some members I didn't want to see in Walmart because they already killed me in Target. (laughs) Nobody knows the troubles I see. And I'm thinking, nobody gives a flip. (laughs) Please play for me a sad melody. Tell me one of them... Somebody done some wrong song. You can keep your song and hit the door. I need need the presence of somebody. Say, Pastor, I don't have a lot I can tell you, but I just want to hold your hands and say a prayer for you. Yeah, that's 10 of us who would want that. Here's a second anchor, the strong anchor, the promise of God, the promise of God. God is a promise maker, and he's not a God that he can lie. (laughs) Promise of God. Everybody on that ship, 276 people, excluding Paul, 275 obviously, they get to live because God made Paul a promise. Ain't that good? Yeah, some of you sitting right here like me and what kind of occasions of our life are going, ain't that something? No, it ain't. You want to know something? Your grandma's praying somewhere for you in some back room asking God to heal your head. Yeah, some of us going through some stuff and we think, man, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. No, you ain't no greatest thing since sliced bread. Your mama prayed, your daddy prayed, your pastor prayed. And you now need to be praying for somebody else. The promise of God, and look at this. He said, uh, the promise of God to Paul was, you must go to Caesar. Not only do you want to go to Rome and Caesar, but you must go. I've ordained for you to go. And as a result of everybody else being on this ship, they get to go and not be, not be killed. So once in a while, i got to say thank God for the prayers of my wife. You know, my wife, Valerie, uh, God blesses me because of her. Wait, wait, I don't know how to take that. I tell Valerie, "Here's here's my prayer life." I say, "Oh God, I need you today. I need your help. I not feel good. I've just been through some stuff." And 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 uh, yes. And God says, "Who's this?" <laughs> and I say, "Alan, you know." I said, "Married to Valerie." He says, "Oh, that Alan. Yeah, yeah." I really get blessed because of Valerie. She's right now biting her nails thinking, don't let him miss it, Lord. <laughs> let, let's, let's go. Number three, are you with me? The anchor of the plan of God. The presence of God, the promise of God, God's God. Of, I don't know all your names, and I, I would like to know you and shake hands and give you a hug. I really, I, I don't. I don't feel inhibited by anyone here today as a form of threat in the sense of what's friendly and kind. I would like to know your name. I wish I could remember it. But I will tell you this. If I could call you by name... God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for you. God, I'm not talking. You ain't got, God's got a plan for every one of you here today. On your head, God's got a plan. In your life, God's got a plan. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a president. You don't have to be a pilot. You don't have to be any of those other things. Nothing wrong with them. You are called by God. His plan is anointed. He's got a plan for your life. Don't hang it up and die. If you don't follow God's plan, you're going to be knocking at heaven's gate and Somebody going to say, you got here too soon. We had a plan for you. Let's move to one more. Presence of God, promise of God, plan of God. And one more, please. The anchor of the power of God. <laughs> the power of God, verse 44, is this, this ship crashes, shipwrecks. On an island, they don't even know the name of it. Come, Joseph, thank you, sir. Uh, and so, it, it's smithereens. Everything that Paul said would happen. The thing is, in smithereens, they ate before the ship wrecked because they hadn't ate and eaten in four or uh, 14 days. Paul says, eat, it'll make you nourish. It'll make you healthy. He ate, then they ate, then they threw off overboard all the wheat. Still hoping to save the ship. It crashed on the land. Smithereens. And the soldiers wanted to kill all of the prisoners. Now, I don't know if all of the prisoners were 20 people on board or 50 or 70, but here's why the soldiers want to kill them because the soldiers, if I had a prisoner under my care and they escaped. I'm gonna to have to suffer the penalty that they were gonna suffer for their crime. So if, like Brother Eddie Kirk, he and I traveled together, and Eddie, just stand just a minute. He's an officer here in the county, he's the SRO officer. He just remains standing. So uh if Eddie's guarding me, and we travel together, so he he helps me at you all. Know, uh So if I escape, if I, you know, there's something that's worthy of going to jail for 20 years and I escape and he doesn't know where I am, he has to serve the 20-year prison. I'm always trying to elude him. (laughs) Kill them all, kill them all. And you know what the centurion said? We ain't killing nobody. And that's of God. Everybody's going to make it to shore. Some of the fellows wanted to escape the ship by jumping off or taking the little uh, skiff, life-saving kind of ship. We'll pretend we're going to let anchors out, and we'll take this skiff, and we'll go someplace else. And Paul says, you better tell those people, if they don't stay on the ship, we all die. If If those four guys don't stay on the ship, we all die. Let me tell you something. If you and I don't stay on the ship, if all of us here don't stay on the ship, We ain't got no kind of anchor that'll save our lives. They got to the island of Malta, and I am trying to close. Forgive me if I'm going too long. Hallelujah. I want you to get out of the storm before we leave in a few moments. I've had a lot of fun with you, and I enjoy that, but I can't pull you out of the storm. He can do it for all of us. Better than that, they landed on the island of Malta, chapter 28, and uh, they malted the Malta residents built them a large fire. Paul went together sticks to help build a fire, large fire. They were cold, they were wet, they were damp, they were hungry. And Paul puts these sticks in the fire, and one of the sticks started moving. There wasn't no stick. The viper clasped his hands, and they thought it would kill him. It did not. And so what happens is after that, on and on, there were three months on Malta and miracle after miracle after miracle on Malta. If you can get through the storm, you'll get the miracle. Stand, stand stand with me. Oh, hallelujah. I want you out of your storm today by your own confession. Here's what I want you to do. And don't feel obliged if this is not consistent with what the Spirit is speaking to your spirit. I won't be offended if you don't entertain it i want you to thank god for the storm that's diametrically opposite of what a human spirit i want you to thank god for the storm i want you to thank him in the sense of saying i could already be dead but i thank you for the storm i'm gonna learn some lessons but i thank you for the storm I, I'm not, I don't want to grouch and complain and grumble and fuss. I thank you for the storm because there are other people going through a storm who need my testimony. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and do that, just that right now. Just lift your hands, raise your voice above a whisper so the devil will hear us and he'll be confused. I believe it can happen. Come on, raise those voices. Oh, hallelujah. God, I thank you for the storms. I thank you that I learn more from them. I thank you that I teach others from them. Come on, just just say it to them. I thank you for the financial storms. Call them out. I thank you, Lord, I'm not the best health I want to be, but I'm going to be healed by the touch of God. And I'm going to tell somebody else how I got healed. I thank you that my marriage storm is going to die down and we'll have a soft winds blowing. I thank you that my kids are going to grow up in the Lord. I thank you that I'm free from drugs and alcohol and sexual impurity. Come on, Lord, I thank you that you brought me out of darkness into light. The more you say it, the more you'll get it. God, I thank you that my storm now is under my feet, not over my head. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, God baptize us in the Holy Ghost. Ask him to do that. Baptize us in the Holy Ghost. Let's not leave here, God, without joy and peace and strength and assurance. Thank you for everyone, oh God, in their obedience. And I pray this day would be different than any other day in the past and days to follow. Deliver us from evil. Keep us safe. Help us to stay on the ship. Jesus name. Amen. Amen.